This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest is a 25-year veteran of the pest control industry. He started out as a tech, he moved to the office, he got into sales, and then into management, where he ran the 27 techs uh, before he started. He left and started his own business in 2008. 2012, a fire wiped out everything. He could tell us about that in a couple of minutes. He had to basically start from scratch again with all his equipment, trucks, phones, computers, everything. Um, 2020, he started franchising. He's got now he's got five franchises in two corporate locations. He's, at, uh, he's grown the company from one to 12 employees. He's the president of Complete Pest Solutions located in Ohio. I want to welcome Anthony Farrell. Hello, welcome. Jeff. How are you? How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for, thanks for giving us the time today to talk about your journey. Uh, looking forward to hearing how, how it's been going, how you started, and uh, kind of how you're growing your company. Um, so the first thing I'd love to know is really kind of what, what's the most challenging aspect of, of growing and scaling a business? Well, you're going to have uh, your, your, your finding your employees that, that I think we as entrepreneurs and business owners, we find that to be one of the most difficult for sure is yeah. finding those employees, um, figuring out what what works for you as a business, but then what works for them as an employee also. So we want to be cognitive of their what they need to survive, to feed their families, to do that stuff. But then we're also cognitive of there are industry standards of what you pay, what the industry pays, um, and try to kind of blend those together. I always, I always consider it like a marriage almost where, you know, it's got to work for both. You're going to come together. You know, you don't know this person, they don't know you. So there's a trust factor there. That's also uh, highly important that you're going to treat them right. They're going to treat you right. So that is, that is, I think one of the hardest things, um, especially in today's climate where, you know, you're hearing the rumblings of, oh, we want higher pay. We want, you know, mm -hmm. there's a standard out. You know, there is an industry standard, and that's what a lot of the industries go off of. So your pest control industry, you can go across the board and you you can say, okay, how we try to divvy up our pay and our benefits is we look at the state that we're in. So what is the average pay for a state? What is the average benefits for that role in this state? Because yeah. mm -hmm. if you go if you go nationwide, the hard thing is you do have some you know, technicians in, in this field that make more money in California, but the the cost of living is so or, much. Yeah. Beyond. The other day they probably make less. They probably take home less. Correct. Yeah. So, so we try to, we try to do that. Um, so I, I think that's one of the hardest parts. And for the, for how long I've been doing this, that is not anything new. It's always been one of the toughest parts. Um, I think we say the number, if you hire four people, one stays on. So if you if you hire four, one's going to kind of make it through the training and then give you that that 
full benefit of training them out. Um, so that's one of the hardest ones. Uh, the other one that in this industry that I think is, is starting to become that, that little bit harder thing is, is marketing. You've got so many platforms, so many areas that people can find you at. Which one works for you in your, in your area, in your county, city, whatever? Um, back in the day, I mean, when I first started doing this, you had, you had boots on the ground, which is your salesman knocking on doors for businesses. And then you had the phone book. And right. as long as you're adding that phone book was beautiful and caught their attention, you kind of knew how many calls you were going to get from it. You, you had that, you had that data. And then you had your referrals, of course. Um, now today you can go spend thousands of dollars on Google ads and it might not work in that area for you as well. You, you just don't know it's hard. Um, so that that's kind of, the interesting part of it. That's a challenge that we're, we're now coming to. Do you find that your competitors are as savvy in, in, in the marketing side as, I'm not sure how you are, but uh, it sounds like you're, you're on top of it. You're, you're kind of uh, experimenting with the ways to bring in customers. Do you see that with other competitors? I would say yes. Um, you know, we, we're in a small town. We're not in a big town in Ohio. We're in Youngstown, Ohio, which is, you know, very kind of tiny town, um, we have some, you know, competitors that have been around for a while. So they, they get the advantage of being here for 35, 40 years. Mm. So that reputation is just a killer. So when they do their Facebook posts, when they do their AdWords and stuff like that, it's, they're more name recognition where we're kind of newer in this area. Cause when I started this, I started out in Canton, Ohio. So We've only been in the Youngstown area for like eight years out of the 14 years I've been in business. So with that, we're the newer company coming in. So we had to kind of be a little bit more aggressive, I would say. But I, I still think, yes, they're savvy um, for our area. They do a good job. And, um, you know, we try to take bits and pieces of what everybody's doing and then put it to us. So we're not kind of reinventing the wheel. We're just mm -hmm. we're trying to make it better for us. So. How involved are you personally in, in kind of the marketing side of things? No, uh, we, we, every day, um, yeah. we're trying stuff every day. I do have a marketing team. I, I let them go as much as possible, but you know, I, I make sure that, you know, our Facebook posts are where they should be. I make sure that um, our LinkedIn stuff is where it should be. But for the most part, I let them, you know, fly and use their wings and their creativity. They're, they're a young group, so that kind of is very beneficial because yeah. that's 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 their game. Um, sure. My game was the phone book, so I know I'm, yeah. I'm a dinosaur in that area, so I got to use them. So, <laughs> well, they used to have those magnetic signs that you used to put on the side of the trucks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Years ago, having one of those. Uh huh. That was that that was advertising back then, with like you said, the uh, the yellow pages. And as long as you had AAA or AA or something, you were right up front. Right? So yes. Look it up. Yep. Those days, those days are gone. They are. So, um, so when you when you did go out on your own, were you? It started out as just you. So you were doing everything. It sounds like right. You were, you were a tech, and you were trying to bring in new cut new business. And, you know that is correct. Yes. Yeah. So I started out uh, knocking on doors, business to business, building my clientele that way, mm -hmm. um, and then transitioning those business customers to do their homes 
So now I'm getting residential customers. Um, at that point in time, back in 2008, as soon back as that, uh, the phone book was still where you went. So mm-hmm. we did have a, a decent website, but we, we really pushed having the phone books um, yeah. in those areas that we covered. So between those, those three factors and then the referrals that come in, what's nice about being a single operator is you are the face. So we had the benefit, I had the benefit of when I did this guy's house that I did, you know, his mom's house, his dad, you know, his brother's house, because you're single operator, you're out there trying to make it work. People love that. Um, so that was the benefit of it. So we grew you know, in that first year, I was able to put somebody on um, and bring a new employee in and together him and I did the same exact thing. He took on an ownership role of that technician and he made it, he made his customers kind of his own, I would say in a good way, not in like their mind, but in a good way where he treated them very, very well. They loved them. We got a ton of referrals and that's how we, him and I started like expanding out on that. So he came in as an employee, but he took ownership of his role, which was pretty fantastic. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone kind of needs that. See, the phone goes off for you too. No, it does. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, you know, it's funny as you, um, what I've noticed a lot of people I've talked to, including my own business is um, you as owners, we start out kind of like we get this vision, but we're doing all the work. And then as we kind of progress as a, as a company, we bring on that next person, which sounds like is the same uh, for you. It's like I brought on like this right-hand person who was just going to help me, you know, or help us kind of like make this vision come alive. Um, and so it's kind of, it sounds like a natural progression that even other people have talked to. And the next role is somebody who starts coming in and, and you may have this already in, you know, putting systems in place and mm-hmm. doing contracts. And, but at the, at the very early stage, it may be like, okay, great. I'll be out there next Monday and, you know, pay me, I'll, I'll invoice you afterwards. And, and um, it's interesting how we progress. Oh yeah. So at what point did you, do you feel, are you still out doing things or are you mostly right now no. managing franchising? No, right. Yeah. right now managing franchising. Um, I mean, couple years ago I would still go out and do a few jobs when we were over over booked and you know I'm looking at my routes and we're booked out a week and a half two weeks and customers are calling in hey can you catch this today you know uh, our job is because we do spend so much money in advertisement when that customer calls no matter what we want to get to them because that is our that's what we paid for yep so yeah so if there's an overbooking where we're at the point where we've got our full staff. And now we're looking and it's like, holy cow, these guys are booked out a week and a half. We're starting to get to that point where maybe it's time for another one. I'll go out. I'll I'll go handle those customers that come in. Um, But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's now putting systems in place. Um, How do we better train our people? How do we give our customers better service? I mean, now it's to the point where we're taking everything that I learned and trying to perfect that. So that way, when a customer calls, when they hear about our name, mm-hmm. that name is with good reputation. Um, you know, we're not going to make everybody happy. I, I know that, but if we can make our services better, 
if that customer feels when they call us, they're, they're trusting us to come in their home, take care of their problem and complete the issue, like not leave anything undone, then that is where I really feel like we're going to, we're going to make a difference and be different than the other companies. And in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because I am every day working on how do we make the experience for our customers better? So, yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from the, uh, I don't know, your competitors? I was say the Orkins of the world, because I always see them on TV, but, you know, um, because, you know, obviously pest control is not this glamorous industry and with bells and whistles. So they're these customers, I assume, are just the colony, your service done mm-hmm. and, and um, what sets you apart or what do you think sets you apart? Like what, what's your value proposition, I guess, if, if I picked you and someone else out of the phone book, phone book or on Google, right? why would I choose you, I guess, is what, what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I feel that, and again, this is, you know, kind of self, self looking at it. Um, what, what does set us apart is if you do call us, we offer all services. So you don't have to worry about calling us and saying, Hey, I got a bat in my house. Can you do it? We do do it. Um, if you've got a raccoon in your attic, we do that. If you've got termites, we do that. If you've got bees, we do that. So a lot of my competitors either do one or the other, they either do wildlife or they just do pest control. There's a couple that intermingle it, um, but not too many. I think I have like two in my area that intermingle both. And, um, so that, that sets us apart. The other thing is when you call our office, you actually get a live tendon. She talks to you right on the phone and we actually walk you through how we're going to do that service for you. So, you know, Jeff, if you call us up for carpentry, she's going to walk you step-by-step step what that technician is going to do when he comes to your house. So that way you are informed of what service is being provided to you. Now, what that does is that holds now our technicians accountable. So when we tell you we're going to fog your attic because carpenters love attics, if that technician doesn't do it, well, you know right away he didn't do his job very well. Mm-hmm. So there's an, so each step of the way from the time that you call us to the time that we finish servicing your house, we are held accountable to you as the customer because you know exactly what we're going to do every time we step in your house. So if you called us for a B issue, she's going to walk you through how we're going to take care of that B issue for you. So that way, if something is not done, then you can say, you know what? I was told this, mm-hmm. but you're not doing it. How come? So there's an account of, um, we want to set up an accountability with our customers that when our technician comes to your home, what you were told is going to be serviced for the money that you were stated. Um, you know, the other thing that sets us apart, we give you all the pricing pretty much upfront on most services. So when you call up for that carpet problem, you know exactly what you're going to pay when we leave your house. There's no, there's no gimmicks. There's no anything like that. Uh, the only one that is not a little bit harder is like when you get the bats or raccoons size, of the house is taken into effect how much damage was done. So those ones, we can't give you a price over the phone. Sure. Pretty much almost every service that when a customer calls our company, they're going to know what's being done, how it's going to be treated, who's coming to their house, how much it's going to cost them, and then the warranty that goes with it, all before they're even serviced. Awesome. So I feel like that does set us apart because, 
again, we are holding ourselves accountable to that customer by telling them, here's what to expect on this service. You know, it's not a phone call. All right, it's 200 bucks and we'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not, it's not, you, you get the whole walkthrough of what that service entails. No, I, I actually like the fact that, as you mentioned, the person on the phone that you, you're talking to is actually walking you through the process because, you mm -hmm. know, many times, you know, if I call somebody, they're going to ask me a bunch of questions and then they're going to say, okay, we'll send somebody out, whatever it is, whatever trade it would be. But you don't get the, the person's going to come out, they're going to check this, this, and this, they're going to look at that, make sure this is available, make sure your attic space is open and they can get into it, make sure whatever, um, yeah, I don't. I I think that's great actually. That right from the start, it gives you. It it actually gives the um, the customer some, you know, uh, comfort that hey, I'm working with a company that kind of knows what they're doing. Um, I, I do that. We we do accounting and QuickBooks consulting. So someone will call me and I'll I'll go through. I'll talk about QuickBooks and how it's set up and where the menu options are and what we're going to look at first and. You know, they many times on the phone, like, it sounds like you guys know what you're doing. Great. When can we sign up? So, yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, uh, let's talk about, like, innovation. I mean, again, I don't know much about the pest control industry. Is there mm -hmm. much innovation going on in the industry, whether it's insect or wildlife, or is it, has yeah, it been no. the same as, as, you know, 20 years ago or so? Uh, 20 years ago, it was uh, spray and that's about it. Um, the innovations that have come out is uh, there's there's different baits that are coming out now that really are highly effective to where you don't have to really spray a lot anymore. You can use bait uh, in, in lieu of that. They take the bait back to the colony, feed the colony. So there's all that kind of innovation. Um, the products that we use are being more in, innovative by you don't have to use as much product in your in your you know, application sprayer. Uh, wow. The product that we use now, I think we're down to 15 milliliters per gallon of water. Wow. So it, it, what I used to use is two, two and a half ounces. So, I mean, we're talking significant amount of less concentrate being applied for better results. So yes, the innovation is, is highly done, but on the chem, like kind of the chemical side of it right um, yeah. the innovation for the services is you know we get to apply less and still get the great results so nice. that's kind of where that innovation on that side comes in uh, i don't have to come in your house and spray every inch of the house you know i can come in pinpoint accurate my my treatments and then you're going to have the same results as if i just did the whole how, you know, so that's where kind of our innovation comes on that side. Wildlife, a lot of innovation has come through on that end as far as a lot of companies like the trap. They like to put the animal in the trap, carry the trap away, and you got the animal. Uh, we started choosing to go over to a one-way door system for even our raccoons and squirrels. So we come out, we seal off the whole house, and then where that entry is at, we put a one-way door. As that animal feels ready to come out to go get food or a drink or whatever, they come out and they cannot get back in. So there's no more harassing the animal. There's no more kind of dealing with that animal. Sure. It's more you're letting kind of nature take its course and 
letting that animal just kind of go out and, and do what the animal does. So you're not, you're not inflicting any kind of human interaction with them. So th that's some innovation there. I, we, we've enjoyed that. It took a couple, about a year and a half to really kind of implement that all the way through because it's, it's new. Uh -huh. um, we kind of got the idea off a company out of Canada. I was watching some YouTube videos on how do we do this better? How do we, you know, you know, the, 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 the strictness of the government coming down on trapped animals is, is huge. You know, they're telling us what animals we got to put down. Uh, we got to check the cages every single day. Uh, customers cannot be responsible for that. So with all those kind of new restrictions coming down and the time period, again, we have industry standards, you know, I yeah. can charge only so much to trap an animal, like be, before you get on the kind of that ridiculous side. So our job is to kind of be innovative and how do we still solve the issue, but keep that cost at a, at a good price for the customer also. So that kind of, so we brought in this one way door and that keeps us from going out to that house every single day, you know, which is a yeah. savings on a customer, especially with the gas prices now. Um, and it keeps us from having to handle the animal. And now I don't have to follow the guide restrictions of the, of, you know, the Ohio department of natural resources on mm -hmm. what I can do and what I can't do with that animal. I, I don't have to fall. We let them go. There you go. You no, it seems much more humane too, because I'm not sure some of these animals may actually return, right. Even if you trap them and bring them somewhere and, you know, well, a lot, some have to be euthanized as soon yeah. as you trap them. So I, I, I don't like that. I, yeah. you know, I never liked it, um, but, you know, we were now able to get away from that. So that's good. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about franchising, because up until 2020, it was you, you had your own couple of locations, I assume, and then you got into franchise. And what, what kind of led you down that path? And talk about kind of you've, you're, you've opened five in the last two years in the middle of a pandemic. So I did yes. love about Yeah. Yeah. So um, before I franchised, I had a location in Canton. I had a location in Youngstown. I had a location in Cleveland and a location in Pittsburgh. So we had we had we had quite a quite a few locations doing services. Um, what got me into it is I've always wanted to expand. When I when I ran the other company with the 27 technicians, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the expansion. I enjoyed all that stuff. Um, so I really wanted to expand my brand because I feel like we're, we're doing a really good job. Um, customers thoroughly enjoy having us do their services for them. So as an owner, you want to expand. I, I'm young, so I, I'm pretty aggressive on what I want. And to get there was expansion. And then you have kids. And then you realize being away is not the best. So franchising. I get to expand my brand in a different way, but then what else I get to do is help, help individuals become entrepreneurs. And I am, I am a huge advocate of small business. I'm a huge advocate of um, kind of planting your flag. If that is in the cards for you and, and, and building your legacy in how you want to do it. Um, so that's how the franchising came about. I, I, I enjoy helping individuals, learn about business. I enjoy helping them grow their business. I enjoy giving the advice, the, the guidance. And then when it works, I enjoy watching their success. Um, when it doesn't work, I enjoy 
coming back and, and, and revisiting what might've went wrong so we can fix it. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy all that stuff. Um, so that is my way to expand and do those things, but also still be home for my kids, my wife, um, and still be a dad and a husband at the same time. So, I mean, was it, was it a big lift for you to get in the franchise as far as, you know, franchise agreement, you know, what it's going to look like and what you're going to offer. And I mean, it sounds like it was a lot of work. Right? It's a ton of work, a yeah. ton of work. Uh, yeah. We started, we started the process in 2019. Okay. So okay. it took about almost a full year before our franchise agreement was done. Our operations manual was done. I think the operations manual was the hardest one because you literally have to go back through and figure out when you start work, what do you do? And then you got to kind of like all that stuff, you got to put down in writing. Like I come in and I do this and I, cause it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's a playbook for what your day looks like. Uh Yeah. Even down. I mean, I've seen some where it's like, we turn the lights on and we come in, we change, we, we shut the alarm off. It's like a step-by-step literal playbook of what does your day look like? So, you know, you unlock the front door, you unlock the front door, you know, you come in, you, you, you set the stage for the day, you check your emails, you do that. Like, so it's, it was funny to do that because I don't know, I don't know how you are, but my days, I just, I just do my day. I don't think about those right. nuances of the, the little stuff. I, I think in bigger stuff, like, um, new services, new pricing, adjustments to this, adjustments to that, finding new products that are cheap. Like those are my big things. So to break it down into the little nuances. Granted, uh, half the most <laughs> of the stuff you do during the day, right? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So, it was, so it was, it was interesting. It was fun. I enjoyed uh, a lot of the going back through and kind of revisiting those. I mean, I, cause I think it helped me also to readjust some of the stuff that I was doing because I didn't take a look at that for a while. So it helped me to readjust, refocus, yeah. um, maneuver some stuff around that I feel helped make it better for the franchise. So who, who are the typical franchisees, uh, uh, owners? Are they, um, other, you know, single operator, like, you know, pest control companies, or are they new to the whole industry? And they say, Hey, this looks like a great franchise to, to get involved in. So my first one was actually my uh, alarm and security guy for the offices. Okay. So he, he, he had corporate sales experience. Um, he did come from an entrepreneurial background with his parents. Um, and we just started talking about what, what what we do, what we do with the company and how we're growing and the the, the future plans. Then one day call me up and goes, hey, um, that franchising brochure that you gave me, let's let's do this thing. Wow. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and uh, you know, he was the first one that we signed. Uh, the second one that we signed. Um, so with franchising, you're gonna always sell to your inner circle first. Sure. Okay. You, you know, yeah, there's there's not a lot of outsiders on your your first few. So the the second guy was uh, my he was actually my hunting buddy. Uh, he installed garage doors for 30 years, and he just said, "I'm done. Let's do this thing." And he jumped on board. And then our our other one, she was my secretary for two and a half years, and her and her family decided to take up the mantle and 
head to Hilton Head, South Carolina and start uh, working on uh, a franchise down there. So that's our three franchisees. The first two ones that bought in actually bought additional territories for our five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it sounds great. Now, how involved are you on a regular basis with them? Are, are you in con- contact? I, yeah, or- a lot. I talk to pretty much all of them on a weekly some on a daily depends on like what they're working on. So there's a few contracts that have come up that, you know, the one guy or one franchise in Canton, he had a huge contract come up. So him and I've been talking back and forth quite a bit on that one. A lot of work. It's a hundred unit apartment complex for mice control. So that's a lot of units. That's a lot of mice. So him and I've been back and forth on that. Um, The other ones, I always make sure I try to check in once or twice a week, even if I don't hear from them. Um, a lot of times if you don't hear from them, that's a good thing. That means they're just working, they're doing their thing. Everything's going pretty smooth. There's no hiccups, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I still try to make sure that I check in and I will try to continue to do that for as long as possible. Cause I think talking with them, reassuring that I'm here, getting questions for the week, how's your week going just helps them just have that still connection. Yeah. Um, that they know that I'm, I'm there for them for whatever they need. So. Do you supply them with product or do they mm-hmm. okay? They go through yes. that and yes, I'm sure they so, report to you as on a regular basis, whether it's revenue or you know, earnings. right? Yeah, yeah. So what's nice about the franchising thing is like that allows me to buy product and stuff in bulk. Mm-hmm. So I get to pass that savings to them as so they they pay a lot less for their products than if they would if they sign up their own accounts and all this other stuff. Um, also kind of what they benefit from. So like Ford company, we do all of our fleet through Ford. So over six years, I've built a reputation with Ford and bought enough vehicles off of them that, you know, we actually just have an, an account. They call up, this is the truck I need. How much is it? Okay, great. Get it to me. And then that's all they got to do. It's so it's, it's pretty nice uh, for, on that end. So yeah, they, they buy that stuff off of us. Uh, other stuff they can go get themselves. We give them the design for the business cards, the brochures. Mm-hmm. They can go choose their own printer if they, you know, whoever they choose. So you, you all have the same logo and the yes. same feel yes. like a franchise would. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. And do you do you as a, like internally your management team um, do you, do you practice some kind of uh, operating system? you know like we we um we practice eo so it's like the from the book traction uh, okay all the operating system but there's like eos is scaling up and there's like different systems i'm not sure if you practice anywhere you know you you set your quarterly goals you meet so often you kind of go through an accountability chart of all your employees and you have you rate them against your core values and things like that i'm curious whether you do anything um, as structured as that, or you just meet as a team and kind of set your goals and go forward with that? Yeah, right now we're in the process of kind of going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but right now we just meet as a team. We set forth our goals for the for the month, for the quarter, and yeah. then we, we start going after those goals. So we have started to implement some, a little bit more accountability forms to fill out, you know, that kind of stuff to keep track of sales, to keep track of leads. But as, um, so fun story, we just hired a gentleman for our corporate team, 
our, he's going to be our corporate trainer for all of our franchises. He was with Terminex and Ehrlich for the last 10 years. So okay. kind of both. So pretty exciting to bring in a larger kind of structure to a small business that's trying to grow at the same time. So he's bringing in his education. And I mean, th those companies train like crazy and they do very well. And they've got all these training programs. So we're now being able to implement different training programs from this guy. Wow. So we're, we're hopefully here very soon. We're going to have the training of a larger corporation, but still have the touch of the small business. So kind of best of both worlds. Hmm. The sign of scaling, right? You start bringing in these seasoned, more experienced people. Who we got lucky. How, how's that? I didn't really steal them. Somehow, funny story, um, my my handyman that helps me like do some stuff at the office here for, you know, adding on a room or built whatever his friend coached his son's baseball team and somehow knew this guy that moved from California to Cleve to Canfield, Ohio, which is one of our little suburbs. Mm -hmm. And he was looking for a job and he worked for the, like, it was, it was like totally like, wow. <laughs> like, to get here was really kind of a meant to be kind of coincidence. Universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So really cool. So no, we didn't steal them. We didn't, we didn't head hunt them. We're not at that <laughs> point yet. Uh, we kind of just got, we got lucky and um, yeah. he's bringing a lot of stuff to the table. And I can say this about the franchising. That's what helps that. that that's what's nice about it. Cause we're going to get, you know, when you start getting 15, 20 franchises out there, you start, you start getting the rumbles that you're starting to become, you're, you're more than just an emerging brand. Now you're kind mm -hmm. of a player in the field. Um, but what it helps to do is still give the customers that small business atmosphere. So, you know, what, wherever you live at, if you bought a franchise, it's still you in that community. It's not, it's not, corporate in that community sure. it's you yeah, so absolutely. you're still giving that small business feel with the backing of a per se larger corporation mm -hmm. so that's kind of exciting so i so i get excited because the training that we're going to be able to give to our people and to our franchisees to give to their employees is going to be so much better than i could have gave on my own because yeah. I never experienced that, that kind of corporate training before. I mean, you know, I, I put you in a truck for two weeks, show you what to do and kick <laughs> you out. I mean, that, that's what we did right now. Yeah. We're doing a full month before we put you on your own. We have, we have restrictions, we have schedules. We have, if you don't meet this criteria, you can't move to your next step of training yet. So we're, again, we're bringing this, this great training into a small business atmosphere. And now I get to pass that on to my franchisees. So we get to invest in that and our franchisees benefit from that investment. So. And the customers too. Yeah. So oh, oh, yeah. Through. that's awesome. Yep. Do you, what kind of, do you have, what kind of systems do you use? Do you, do you have like a, does, does the pest control industry have 
you know, like uh, field service applications, things like mm -hmm. that, where you could just send out a, you know, a um, notification to someone on the road to go by a certain place to go do the job type of thing. Just curious. Yeah. So, uh, just like any industry, we have you know five or six, seven different routing software systems. We call them CRMs. That's the normal term. Um, sure. We choose to use a, a company called BrioStack. We feel that they just the routing software is fantastic. They're, we just like them. They, they, they yeah. seem to have the best um, for us, the mm -hmm. best tools. We are currently working on a system, a CRM for us only, where we're going to own it. We're going to pat, you know, have all the licensing to it, sure. and then we're going to pass it out to our franchisees. Uh, we, can, we can pass it to them for a little bit cheaper because there's no middleman. Um, we can put in what we, we need, not what, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these CRMs are lacking in inventory control and that kind of stuff. So we get to do yeah. our own inventory program. Uh, mm -hmm. And then again, pass that to our franchisees. So that's our next step that uh, over the next course of a couple of years, we're going to want to get that completed uh, as we grow and, and, and get more franchises. Yeah. And then for accounting, being an accountant, I always have to ask the question, do you use QuickBooks or? I do. All right, okay. I do. That's good, another QuickBooks. Yes. Um, so it's, it's everything we do for the most part here with all our smaller companies, growing companies. Uh, we have companies that are in the multi-million dollar companies on QuickBooks Advanced mm -hmm. and Enterprise, so yeah, so. And just as far as you yourself, like how, how do you think you've grown Kind of as a leader over the 25 years you know from you know working in the office to having you know being a, you know a franchise owner or be a franchisor i should say in having multiple locations yourself yeah Good. well i i think uh my leadership kind of hit its hit hit a nice stride when i was in charge of 27 technicians that that was a lot that I had to get organized uh, by nature. I'm kind of um, fly by the seat of your pants per se. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. I'll fix it when we got to. Um, You're a visionary. That's yeah. That that you know, it's big picture, and then I worry yeah. about the details when they come up. But running 27 men in 39 counties between two states, wow. I had to get organized. I had to make sure that my time was very much planned out or I, or it would just, it would just overrun you because I was in charge of hiring, um, training, stocking of the vehicles. So all the inventory uh, complaints that came in. Mm. So you, I, I ran a gauntlet on that one. So I really learned how to get organized on that. Then, then, then you go into your own business, right? And then it's just you and you're kind of like, huh, I got nobody to boss around today. It's just me. <laughs> So, so the organization kind of, you know, you know, if you don't use it for a while, you kind of falls by the way. So. You yeah. know, so it's, it's me and a truck and a laptop and customers call up. I sell a job, put them in there, get yeah. them scheduled and then finish my day. And I go home. I mean, like there was no, you know, my wife helped me out with the books. So, you know, by the time I got home, pretty much all my books were done uh, for, for the day. Cause she was right. working on them throughout the day. Um, 
so yeah so kind of like fell by the wayside then you then you bring one guy on and like i said this guy was like a blessing huge blessing and he self-organized so again i him and i would sit down and when we talked it was kind of like i was talking to myself you know (laughs) oh great you got you got it okay fantastic i'm going off i'll see you tomorrow (laughs) so you know but then as you grew and as you started doing these things and now you're looking at secretaries and another technician now it's like riding a bike you started kind of coming back to that organization kind of coming back to that um making sure that accountability is held in there so I think from then till now, I'm just a little, I'm a lot more organized. Um, I feel like I can pick people better as far as employees. I think I can, I, I got a better eye for it. Um, I still mess up. I still screw up. I still think this one's going to be great. And all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, what happened to this then, one? And then you hire someone who you're like, I'm not sure. And they end up becoming, yeah. you know, a rock star, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I don't, quote too many things but you know there was there was a quote uh, so as far as our corporate team i think we put together a great corporate team we mesh well uh, we have the same vision everybody's excited and everybody that we've hired has taken ownership of what they're doing so we have a director of sales he's taken a huge ownership of what he's doing we have a marketing director uh, franchise developer uh, office administrator each one collectively has literally taking the ownership of what they're doing. So um, the, the one quote that I, I seen the other day that I kind of liked, um, you know, surround yourself with people so that way when people look at you, they don't know who a leader is because they're all leaders. They all awesome. present that persona that I own what I'm doing. So um, I think we, I've surrounded myself with a really good staff that's going to take us to where we need to go. It's just now kind of getting that, getting that engine running. Um, We're in the franchise lull, they call it, where my inner circle has been done and now we're looking for outside people to come in. So it's a little bit of a challenge. There's no doubt. Um, We've had some pretty hot leads that have fallen on the wayside, but that's franchising. That's just all there is to it. So we're in that midst now. So I've seen, you know, through the years, I'll, I'll go on like these sites like Biz Buy Sell and things like that, where the, all these franchises are listed there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where that, you know, th- those are good places to kind of advertise. But you know, I, I see a lot of that stuff. And a couple of podcasts I've done earlier, and it, it, are both the two recent ones were both franchisees, and they mm-hmm. love it. They one was a painting franchise, and turn our husband really like now the fourth largest franchisee of this company. And um, uh, another one was in security and he's bought up other, you know, franchises. So he's kind of doing his own roll up under a bigger Mm -hmm. umbrella. So yeah, it sounds like there's some great opportunities. I I never really looked at it myself as my own business, but um, it sounds great. And I, and I guess there's some big companies out there that have they're like a brand company with multiple franchises underneath them that you can kind of join. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Yep. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I was going to ask you as, I, as you were talking about the wildlife, if there's any weird wildlife stories you may have had over the 25 years, some weird animals or anything that you may have come across in your, or is, or is it most of it, the, the raccoons, squirrels, mice, rats snakes type of thing 
Yeah, not nothing weird. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. I would I would put in there. I did a I did an old Victorian style three story house. House probably had three thirty five hundred bats in it. Wow. So that that wow. was that was an interesting one. Um, hmm. The the siding of the house was constantly moving when 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 you got close to it because the bats were behind the siding. Wow. Um, so it would that that was an interesting one. Uh, the the bat waste was probably up to my hip. So probably three and a half oh. foot worth of bat guano in their attic alone. Um, so and that, that was an interesting one. Yeah, we were really in this house, right? Yeah. They were, and there was people living in the house. Yes. Uh, so that that was an interesting one. Uh, hmm. Pull. I've pulled an owl out of a chimney. So that that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Nothing like uh, like that. That that was pretty interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So not not like weird animals, but you know, I did a house that had. 15 raccoons living in it so and you you, like when you look at the house you wouldn't think of it because it was like this huge six thousand square foot house yeah there was there was there was multiple entries i mean we were just i mean every day there was four or five raccoons being caught uh so yeah so interesting stories but not nothing like really kind of i'm in i'm in ohio i mean right as you don't see big predators out in people's homes Right. When we, when we hear about a bear in someone's backyard, it's like, whoa, a bear? Wow, that's pretty cool. You haven't caught Bigfoot yet in anyone's house. So. No, nothing like that. Nothing like that. And so um, what, what opportunities do you see just for growth in the future as far as even in your industry? I know we chatted about it initially. Um, where do you see this whole industry going? Well, during the pandemic, this is the, again, we talked about this is not like a really kind of I always say the word, it's not a sexy industry. It's not, it, you know, we are, we are, you know, we're going to people's homes and taking care of bugs and, and wildlife. Right. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, but during the pandemic across the United States in the industry, we grew 46% during that time period. So for an industry itself to have that kind of growth across all the scales is, is significant in showing that this industry is here to stay. It's a staple industry. We are deemed a very important part of the public health. We're mm-hmm. critical, essential. So all these things, this is an industry that is not going anywhere. So if, if there are people that lo- are looking to get into business and do, into something, yes, it's not crazy. You're not going to have some beautiful, gorgeous restaurant built. No, you, know, <laughs> you can have a nice office. There's no doubt I have a nice office that we bought. But we're not going to have the big, beautiful restaurants that are just decked out. No, you're going to have, you're killing bugs and you're getting rid of wildlife. But on the other end, we've seen how many of those big, glorious buildings were empty for a year because you couldn't even go in them, you know. So, and and we were growing. So this industry is here to stay. When I, when I started in 2008, we had one of the worst recessions in, um, the United States history. I mean, it was a bad recession. Well, it, we grew. So there's growth. There's always growth in this industry. Um, you're, you're talking, I just read the stats that by 2020, in four years, our industry is going to grow by $7 billion in four years. Wow. That, that, is, a, that is a substantial amount for a service industry that doesn't get a lot of kind of Attention. Yeah. attention you know I, I i think you and i talked about it. i said you know unfortunately you know when you watch tv like 
the bad guys are always the exterminators. Like you can, you can go look at any movie or any TV oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's a bad guy, he's got the pest control truck and the suit. Yeah. Um, so, but we're not that. We are important to the public health. We are important to those things. Uh, you can look up any stats. If, if a home has roaches in it, the chances of the child having a huge asthma attack or going to the doctors more goes up substantially, substantially. If you have mice in the home and you have an allergy, it's going to cause an aller asthma or allergy an increase. Like that's substantial numbers. Like you can just look those up and say, if I have mice in my house and I have allergies, is it going to cause worse issues? Yes, because the dander that they pass around, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and I mean, you think of the bubonic plague. I mean, what spread that? It was rats. Yeah. And it was in a time where pest control, you know, wasn't really looked at. I don't even know if it was technically being done yet. But oh, yeah. so those things can still happen if we're not here, you know, taking care of these issues. So it's not it's not a sexy industry. It, 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 it's a great industry, though. Yeah. Uh, if you want continual work, if you never want to get shut down. If you continue to want to grow, this is the industry for it. We we are set, I think, in the public's mind from the pandemic time. We're set, the stage is set for this industry to really start having a nice light shined on it and really ready to come forth. And people are going to start noticing that it's a good business to be in. It, it's healthy. Um and you don't have to mortgage a future to go to college for this industry either, right? I mean, the training Correct. is there Correct. and yeah, yeah, no, it's, it sounds like great opportunities and, and great opportunities for you with the whole, the franchise model also. So mm -hmm. somebody kind of getting into it has kind of a whole roadmap, a whole operating manual procedures, product, everything. Yes. From you. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, we'll just get into you real quick. I know we spoke a lot, just kind of what, what are your passions? What do you do outside of work? You said you have, it sounds like you have a couple of kids and you're married and any any uh, hobbies, things you like to do? Yeah, uh, I, I like to watch my kids play sports. So my son is 12, uh, entering his final year of uh, Little League, which is kind of fun, but sad at the same time. So yeah. I'm hoping uh, this year goes really well for him. I enjoy watching him. He enjoys it. Uh, last year, they got to go to States and compete against some pretty big teams and wow. did very, very well. So we're hoping for the same thing this year, just maybe go to regionals. That's what their goals are. So mm -hmm. um, I coach my daughter's softball team. So that that's fun. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. oldest is starting to drive and she's in the track and volleyball right now. So that's kind of a big step. Yeah. Driving. I'm cool. a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my passions are I love to hunt. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite things to do is uh, bow hunt during the during the fall. Okay, uh, nice. Nothing like sitting up in a tree in nature and getting your thoughts collected and just enjoying the the beautiful sun rays and that come through the trees and stuff. So, how long would you sit in a tree? I'm just curious. I, I'm not a hunter, so I it's all foreign to me. But what's that look like for like a, uh, like a number of hours waiting for? Yeah, I, I mean I've I've sat in a tree all day. Okay. All right. 
from sunup to sundown. I don't do that anymore too much. I, I, I'll choose either morning to go in or the evening to go in, uh, sit for a couple hours. Uh, life has just gotten too busy. So I just yeah. I don't have time to sit in a tree for eight hours anymore. Right. Uh, so I pick and choose my times. Uh, I love going to the beach. Uh, Hilton Head, uh, South Carolina is my, my normal destination for the beach. It's, it's close. It's comfortable. It's fun. They got beautiful beaches. And uh, so that's what I like to do with that. What is the distance between where you are in Ohio and Hilton Head? Is that uh, 12 hours? Okay. Yeah. So nice little drive. If you want to jump on a plane, it's a, it's an hour and five minute flight. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. All right. And where, where can uh, people find you? Like I find you on LinkedIn, right? So it's under Anthony Farrell, yep. right? Uh, yep. Do you have your, your company website? What would that yes. be? Yeah. Our, our company website is completepestsolution.com. No S on solution. Okay. And that's our, go ahead. Sorry. That's our company website. And then um, we have completefranchising.us for our franchising page. So that's a totally separate website for yep. franchising. Can they get to a three website too? The franchise? Yes. Okay. Yep. I mean, some, someone listening may want to check into this, um, especially yep. like you said, if this industry is going to grow 7 billion in the next four years, I mean, there's a huge opportunity for many people who are trying to figure out the next step. Yes. In their careers or even an investment opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Well, I want to thank you, Anthony, for uh, giving me the time today. We just, you know, that there's probably a ton of other questions I'd love to ask you at some point, but maybe we'll have you on again after your 10th franchise or, you know, okay. keep growing. I want to, <laughs> I want to thank everyone who's listening. If um, you liked it, I encourage you to share and, um, Again, thanks, Anthony. And uh, this has been another episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class services and cutting-edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.